Greg Braggs Jr., what is up? You are, I can hear you sometimes on ESPN 1000. Uh, you're also part of Bears Bar Room and Shy Fans in the Stands. What is up? Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Will. Yeah, you might hear me a little too much on uh, ESPN <laughs> 1000 if you asked one Adam Abdallah. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you asking me to come on. Uh, I, I, I uh, saw you were putting together this podcast and uh, – you know, you're one of my favorite Twitter followers as far as the ones that are the ESPN harassers, as I like to call them. Absolutely. We fall under that umbrella. Exactly. We've got a little army here. Pretty much every day. Yeah, they're great about interaction on Twitter, too. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that's what makes it fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, Kaplan, obviously, and the big dogs, they're, out, they're, they're even out there, you know, having fun with you. And I think that helps engage debate. And you know, uh, that's where I go. Twitter's my escape for sports to have fun and bullshit with people and argue about Mitch Trubisky and, and just and laugh. You know, I don't take myself too seriously when it comes to sports talk. I'm not an analyst. I'm just a fan. That's why I do my show, Shy Fans of the Stands. I try to just identify. That's how I identify. I'm just a fan. I, I have opinions, but I'm not. I don't take myself too seriously like I'm some expert analyst here. And that's what's fun about the ribbings back and forth with Black and Abdallah, the truthers and the haters, you know, yeah. uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's nice that they're, they keep that going with everybody, you know, and all the different people, you know, I, uh, Dan Shaitiel, he's a funny guy and all the, you got to get me right with, uh, with uh, Kevin, little big Kevin. Oh, what happened with Kevin? He had a falling out. He was really, I didn't know that. Uh, he'll be fine. But we were, he was, me and him had a tiff over yeah. Kaplan. It was something silly. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah. Me and Kev got to reconnect. Other than that, the umbrella is strong. Kevin goes hard at Cap on Twitter. And in fact, I thought he used Cap, to go hard uh, at me too, but he gave up. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. But he, he kind of busted my balls because one time when Kyle Long was on, he was busting Kaplan about yeah. something. And I misconstrued what he said. And then we go into this DM thing. I was like, I think I remember dude. that. Yeah. I was like, it's not that serious, dude. And then I don't know. We just kind of fell off after that. But Kevin, if you're listening, I love you. I love all the black and Abdallah army. I'm, I'm one of them. I'm just, uh, I'm just another Absolutely. one of the minions. <laughs> how did, so that leads into my question. So like, how did you guys get, how did you get started basically with, I mean, I assume you were just listening to ESPN 1000 or do you guys, do you know, black and Abdallah personally, or no, how, you how did know, you know? It, it started with Sylvie. Because I've been listening to ESPN 1000 basically since their inception. And I would call in back in the day. I think the first time I ever called in to Sylvie was when he did a show with Carmen DeFalco. And I'll never forget it because they were talking about how they didn't like how people threw the home run balls back. And I called in and I had actually threw back Ryan Howard's 43rd home run the year he hit 56. Mm-hmm. And it was like, for me, like a shining moment. I had always wanted to throw a ball back. You know, you watch movies like Rookie of the Year and stuff. And yeah. so I was like, they're dissing that. And I'm like, no, this is tradition. And we had this huge argument on the air. And I remembered like feeling so fired up after that. That was the first time I'd really called in. And it wasn't just like, a, hey, I think the Bears are good. It was an argument. It was I was on for a while. And I, I think that's really where it started. And I would just, after that, I was Sylvie's harasser. And, you know, he moved on and did his show with Waddle and Carmen does his shows. And, you know, Carmen and Sylvie are kind of like the the Black and Abdallah from the early years. Now Black and Abdallah are the new uh, Sylvie and Carm. And so now I mess with these guys. And it's just fun. The whole ESPN 1000 yeah. family is a lot of fun, especially this this particular group. You know, they, they've gone through some evolution with, you know, the Mac Yerko and Harry show and mm-hmm. all those early on days. Now with Kaplan and Carmen Yurk and it's just it's a lot of fun and the community they built and they really make us the fans feel a part of it and to the point where all of a sudden I become like this guy that they use for funny little bits or you know even yeah. a couple times we did segments you know I was like uh, having the arguments with uh, Mitchell and Displains I missed my argument I, gotta, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for training camp to get back to those and so yeah it's been a lot of fun but I, I don't necessarily you know, work side by side with these guys, but the, yeah. any little bit of, you know, scraps they throw me, I, 
I am so grateful for because it's just so much fun to do. I mean, I knew I grew up wanting to be in sports. I never thought that anybody really cared what I had to say, but you know, yeah, in the last few years, you know, that whole, I've always kind of been known as the guy that calls into ESPN 1000 all the time. But when in the last few years, when the bears, you know, when I went to bears training camp and started putting my video up a little more than I normally do, because I always used to post it, but not, at the clip that I did a couple years ago, you know, things started to take off. And now all of a sudden I'm identified as this bears guy, this Mitch Trubisky guy, you know, and me and me and Tom Waddle are having arguments about Mike Glennon versus Mitch Trubisky. And that's kind of <laughs> the long story of how it came to be that now, you know, you're always hearing about Greg from St. John every day on the show. And I'm sure Abdallah's rolling his eyes just at the thought of having to deal with me every day. But I'm sorry, Abdallah, you're stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so with Bleck and Abdallah, so it was just kind of organic as far as how you guys kind yeah. of became. No, they work with those guys. Yeah. And so I started messing with them. And, you know, like I said, I, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find a jerk that works at ESPN. They're all good guys. Oh, I know, yeah. They treat you just like they treat me or anybody else. They're Kaplan, you know, and Waddle and Sylvie. Those, you know, really personally, I know those guys. And Yurko lives in the same area I do. But Waddle, Sylvie, and, and Kaplan in particular are guys that will literally go out of their way for any little simpleton, as I like to call it. Like, they, they, and it just really uh, – uh, the, it really humbles me to see how they take care of people. So, you know, I, you know, I'm just having fun with all this at Bears Barroom and Shy fans. And, you know, we, we take it seriously and try to take pride in the yeah. stuff we do, but at the same time, it's, it's just a fun thing. So to have guys at ESPN 1000 kind of take me in, you know, in their way is, is on, is honor for me truly. For sure. Yeah. So how long have you been doing your shows and how did that kind of get started? Well, like I said, in the last year, I've been doing Shy Fans in the Stands, but I've been working with Bears Barroom here for now two years, a little longer almost. And we're coming up on the third training camp that I've been with the Barroom guys, you know, and initially, like I said, the Bears training camp in 2018, you know, I kind of went there in Blitzkrieg training camp and I was literally filming every play and putting it on Twitter and people were loving it. And it was a lot of fun to see that interaction and kind of see it take off. I went from like, you know, know, 500 followers to literally 4,500 in a day. It was like, (laughs) I was on, they put some of my video on NFL network and it just started spreading like wildfire. Yeah. It was really cool. Like in a day, like my phone melted and I woke up the next day and I was like, Holy crap, you know? And, so I decided, I was like, hey, you know, maybe I should try to pursue this in a way. And, you know, the Bears yeah. barroom people, uh, Aldo Gandia and Draft Dr. Phil and uh, Phil Atoshin, uh his nickname Draft Dr. Phil and Shane Marsaw, they run it all over there. And they actually asked me to come on one of their shows. And I was like, I was laughing at that. I was like, I'm not, what do you want to know from me? I'm not an expert. And I was like, sure, I'll come on. And I'll tell you how I hold my phone in the air, you know, and. Uh, me and Phil Atoshin, that's the show I went on. We really hit it off. And, you know, I, that's where it kind of went from. And now here a few years later, I'm, I've been doing work and it's with these guys doing my own show and Bears 100 Proof, which is their main show on the network. And they've been doing that for five years and they have a lot of loyal listeners. I, I went to London last year and oh wow. I and for the Bears game uh, with Bearlissimo. He invited me out there who was a part of Bears Bar Network. And he, I met all these fans at this bar, uh, Three Kings Pub, the night before. And, well, you wouldn't believe how many people were coming up to me, like, just telling me how much they appreciate what, like, Bears Bar and the work. That, cool. You know, it, yeah, it was really humbling. Like, because for me, you know, when I was first introduced to this podcast world, I'm a celestial, whatever the word is, radio guy. I've been listening to AM radio my whole life. So I get radio concept, but I had never really gotten into any kind of podcasts, which is a surprise. And now I love it. But initially I didn't get it. I was like, ah, who's going to listen to this, you know? And, uh, but now I see it, you know, people want, there's not enough of what people are looking for. So they go to find it. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of riding a wave and we've added people to our network, uh, that, you know, Mike North is on our network and Les Grobstein from 670 Score and David Schuster. And it just got announced yesterday that Greg Gabriel, a former scouting director, 
of the bears is joining our network to do a show, you know, and I just sit there, sit back and I'm like, kind of, it's like, wow. Uh, two years ago, uh, my buddy Phil is trying to convince me to hop on, uh, you know, doing silly podcasts. And now all of a sudden yeah. I got less, you know, less crime steam and these guys joining with us. It's a lot of fun. You know, I just try to, like I said, I just try to ride the wave and have fun, you know, doing what I was always doing before anybody even paid attention to it, you know? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too, because like, I didn't know, I wanted to work in sports too, but I was like, I don't know what I want to do. This is going back to like college, which is like, you know, I graduated in 2013. So I had a couple of baseball internships, which were awesome, but I never expected to be doing writing or podcasting just for fun. Sure. And then now I, you know, I was able to talk to like Dan Shulman and like all the ESPN 1000 guys recently and Carl Ravage. And it's like, this is awesome. So yeah. Dan Shulman, uh, he actually, one time, my wife and I were at the game where they raised the, the banner for the World Series, and yeah. my wife was holding a sign that we made the night before that said, what if I told you 17 minutes of rain would wash or wash away 108 years of drought? And we made that sign, and Dan Shulman read it on the air. Mm. And that is how the sh- the obvious shirt, you know, they, he, he has oh, it on his shirt. That's how that came to pass was I from know seen that, yeah. that moment. And so I'll, I always remember Dan Shulman for that. See, you guys are the ones that came up with that. that yeah, my wife and I made that sign awesome. um, in our that's garage awesome. the night before, and it you know, spread like wildfire. Because I've seen that a lot, yeah. Yeah, and Joe from Obvious Shirts uh, put it on a shirt. And there was actually like 10 people that were like putting it on shirts. Like if yeah. you Google it, there's like all these people. Yeah. And Joe contacted me and was like, hey, you know what? You know, he didn't realize who made it the sign. You know, it was just on TV. But then he figured out who I was. He actually reached out to me and was like, hey, you know, I did this. I was like, I don't know. For me, I'm like I said, I'm a bricklayer. You know, I was like, oh, that's all. You know, I just think it's cool that people are wearing a shirt that I that I a sign that I made once, you know. But yeah, Dan Shulman reading that on the air was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You got to talk to him. He's one of the better play by play guys in the game i look forward to hearing him here soon yeah he was on uh what was it carmen and yurko like not that long ago and i was like randomly right then i was like that'd be cool to talk to so i just added him on twitter and <laughs> he responded that day i was like awesome let's do it nice that's really cool yeah yeah so uh so i have to ask you i'm gonna ask you a few bears things wow. but i have to ask you first Abdallah wanted me to ask you about Bears beers. So what's I know you've had videos with Black and Abdallah, and you know you're trying to buy them beers, and they're like, "No, nope, we're buying you beers." So 80, is 80. that it, or that was it? I was scouting them that day, and I always kind of hawk by their seats at some point, especially if Mitch is throwing dimes, which was few and far between last year. But the yeah. few games that he played well, I made a point to like run over there while he was playing well and yell at them. So I think this was one of those games and they I caught them as they were coming down the stairs and I could tell they were about to get in line for beer. So I kind of stayed back for a minute. I got my card ready. And when they got up to it, I tried to pay. And yeah, they black put the, the hard no. I'm like, what? You know, I don't know what that was because I like to be the guy that buys the guy's drinks. You know, I'm trying to be nice. And then he ends up getting me a beer. And I, now I'm like, I'm actually not a beer guy. I'm a whiskey guy. I, I am strictly whiskey. So he hands me this beer and I'm like, oh, that's so nice of him. And I'm kind of like, I got to drink this, but I'm going to drink it like a you know, bitter beer face. Greg, you know, I can't. <laughs> drink it like a man because I need my yeah. Jack and Coke or my Makers or whatever Crown. They sell Makers at the stadium, and uh, so. But that's where the 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 beers with Braggs came to pass, and uh, you know they also claim that that I am much different at the stadium than I am on the air. <laughs> that, that I that I don't give Mitch all the you know the the rose petals like I do when I go on the air, which isn't true. You know maybe they just caught me at a soft moment. That happened. So uh, I know, like, I know I, I heard it, I think it was on your show a while ago, that you were admitted that you weren't necessarily high on Trubisky when they first drafted him. But I know that you're definitely, as you, as they would say, a truther, but basically you're, you're in his corner. I know that you're not, uh, I know that you're expecting results, though. I know you're not just saying, like, ah, it's fine, it's early or whatever. Yeah, or, it's, it's definitely hope based, as my buddy Samir would say. You know, I'm not uh, basing this off of, stats and you know his performance last year this is a gut thing for me 
And you're right. I, when they initially drafted him, my neighbor Adam was over here. He's a big Detroit Lions fan, and he can attest I lost my mind. I was so upset because when we were at three, I don't know what to think, and I'm no draft expert, so I didn't know who they were going to draft. If it was my – if I was the GM, I would have drafted Jamal Adams because we needed a safety. And um, I – I didn't know who they were going to pick, but when they traded up, it was like, okay, they're going after Deshaun Watson here. That's yeah. what my gut told me. I, and I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I told my buddy, I go, as long as they don't draft that kid from North Carolina, I'm fine. Because I didn't know anything about Mitch Trubisky. I didn't think there yeah. was any chance they were going to draft some no-name kid from North Carolina with the second pick after trading up. And then they did. I was so upset. Yeah, man, but then slowly as the Bulls, when he got booed at the Bulls game, that pissed me off. You could already see the Chicago bias coming in. It's like, come on, give the kid a shot. Then I go to camp the first year, 2017, and it's Mike Glennon, who's terrible. (laughs) He was terrible every single day, Will. I went to every camp. The last three years, I've basically been to every camp. He was terrible. And every day, Mitch would outplay him on the third string. Then they finally moved him up to the second string past Mark Sanchez. And I'm that was when I was calling into Waddle and Sylvia every day going, Waddle, this Glennon dude is a bum. We need to have the kid in there because I think that'll be better for our long-term success. And you can argue whether or not that hurt or helped him that he got thrusted in so early. But I would argue that had they just started training camp with him, instead of just throwing him in week five and he knew the offense and was the, you know, I think it might've been a different progression than how it all came to pass. I think they were just, I didn't like the organization. Then you saw how it got into the preseason and they're putting Mitch Trubisky out there in the fourth preseason game. He's almost getting hurt. So at that point I'm full out team Trubisky. I'm like, this kid is busting his ass here. Everybody in Chicago is booing him at the bulls game. And he's uh, outplaying, Glennon, but they're still going to start him. And I was certain I was going to be proved right that Glennon wasn't good. Now, whether Mitch is good is a different discussion, but then it ended up happening. Mitch gets the job and then they went, the next year comes and I knew it. I went to camp 2018. Like I said, this is when everything started to kind of take off for what I do. I went to camp hyping everybody up. I was excited about Nagy. I was excited about Mitch. I was excited about Anthony Miller, Tariq Cohen, all these guys. And I just looked at Mitch, and I'm like, this offense is about to take the next step. And, you know, I thought they took a step. Now, was it the greatest step ever? No, but they made the playoffs. They were a lot – that was – that 2018 Bears team is probably the most fun I've ever had as a Bears fan, you know, almost to the 2006 Super Bowl. I would say it was on par with that season with how much fun it was. I mean, to me, 2006 for me will always be about Devin Hester. And Mm -hmm. the 2018 team for me always be about – Honestly, Club Dub, like I just felt yeah. like that unity of what the team was, was everything I want as a fan. Some people roll their eyes at that hokey team rah-rah crap, but I love it when the team believes in that stuff. And so I wasn't expecting last year. I totally was blindsided. I was buying into the hype train. And I guess I should have seen it coming because here in Chicago, you know, uh, when you're overhyped and the expectations are a little too high, that it doesn't quite ever seem to work out. And so I probably should have seen it coming, but yeah, uh, last year took a big hit with my confidence level with Mitch Trubisky, but I'm not wavering, you know, maybe if they had brought in a Tom Brady to take over for Mitch, which is what I would have done. If you're going to bring in a veteran quarterback that wants to come to it, the greatest quarterback of all time. And he's got a tight end in his back pocket that will follow him. We needed a tight end. Hello? You could have had yeah. Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, right? Well, you got Jimmy Graham now. Right. You know, he's in Tampa Bay of all places. You know, what a yeah. what a weird – who would have thought? So I'm sitting there like, okay, whatever. Nick Foles, he don't, he don't move the needle for me. So, yeah, I'm still ten toes in on Mitch. You know, you're hearing different players come out. Tariq Cohen saying he's been, you know, doing his thing. And, you know, it's all – off-season talk, and I get that's all blowing smoke, but uh, Ted Ginn also came out and predicted on NFL Network that he thought that raised my ears because that's a guy that hasn't been on this team, and he doesn't have any incentive to say that. Nick Foles could be the guy throwing him all the passes, so why would he want to upset somebody that 
is potentially going to help his career out. So I, I'm looking at that stuff. I'm looking at how Mitch is uh, bringing all these guys together for team workouts. You know, hey, if this is how we're going to grade a quarterback competition, it's, to me it started the day Nagy said it. The day they brought Nick Foles in, they said it was a quarterback competition. I'm watching every little thing. You know, and I know at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who can execute the offense on the field. But for the people that think that Nick Foles is light years ahead of Mitch, I think you might, I think, I don't know for sure, but I think as a fan, people are going to be a little surprised at the outcome or how close yeah. this race truly is. I, I think Mitch has a real shot to be the week one starter. You know, I, I to me, if it wasn't for the apocalypse that was 2019, I, he would have to be terrible at, at preseason to not be the week one starter. To me, it doesn't make any sense. You put all this time into him, and I get jobs are on the line. Matt Nagy's job's on the line, so he's not going to be patient about it. But why would you just throw away three years of work when, you know, you see what he's capable of? And you see, it's not like his whole resume is trash. You know, they did make the playoffs, and he did – play well at times that year. So, you know, it, it at the end of the day, he's just going to have to step up, put his big boy pants on and and beat out Nick Foles the same way he beat out Mike Glennon and didn't get the job. But this time I do believe the keys will be handed to him if he outplays him. The biggest question is, is will this COVID-19 crap freaking uh, put, a, put a dent in how that's all going to shake out, you know? Yeah, I was wondering if you thought – I know we had the Hall of Fame game just got canceled. Do you think preseason might be in jeopardy? Because it sounds like Nagy is ready to finally play as starters in the preseason. So I'm wondering if they'll even have one, if it'll be abbreviated, if the schedule might be abbreviated. It's crucial yeah. for the Bears. Uh, I, I'm very worried about it. You know, I'm going to try to stay optimistic. Baseball's three weeks away or so. <laughs> Hopefully. So I'm just holding my breath that – it all doesn't fall apart until then. And we can just, I mean, hey, look at soccer overseas. They're playing. So yeah. we need to just be following that formula. And, uh, you know, these multi-billion dollar organizations should be able to figure it out. I know it's not easy. It's not easy for anybody at this time right now. But I, I, for me, I expect them to play. So, you know, yeah, the Hall of Fame game got canceled. But I'm hoping the preseason is played. And you're right. I think Maggie is ready to play his starters. He learned from his to me, a huge mistake, and it was not revisionist history. You know, I was telling people last year in the third preseason game the fact that they weren't getting their guys ready when Green Bay was two weeks away was a huge miss. In training camp, I can tell you firsthand from 2018 to 2019 was toned down tenfold. They had one live practice last year. In Nagy's first year, they probably had 10 sessions during practice mm. where they were actually live hitting. He he turned it back way too far for a young team that still had a lot to prove. So I think beyond the quarterback competition being an emphasis to play your starters so you can get a good evaluation of your quarterbacks, I also think it's because he's going to play them because this team wasn't ready coming out the gates. They didn't yeah. know which guys couldn't get their job done. I mean, if you're not playing your starters, how are you supposed to know that James Daniels and Cody Whitehair can't get it together on the inside? How are you supposed to know that Kyle Long is broke down? I mean, I love the guy, but he couldn't do it anymore. He said it himself on Capital Show. You're never going to know those things unless you get them out there and, and play real live action against another team and, and you go, okay, these guys are getting beat relentlessly. we got to do something different here. Well, we found all that out against Green Bay and Denver in the first two weeks. You yeah. can't do that. So I yeah. definitely think he's going to be pushing everybody on that team to have a, a more sense of urgency coming into this year. And, you know, after the way they finished last year, I don't see how any of them can uh, have, be chomping at the bit to right that wrong because, you know, that's not who they are. They're a much more talented team than what they showed last year. I know it's only June 25th, but if you had to put a win-loss record on it, what do you think they do next year? The Bears, if they play the whole year, I, they have every bit the capability of winning 10 games. Mm -hmm. Every bit. Now, if their offense gets it together and they're running the ball and they have whichever quarterback is executing the offense and they're scoring in the red zone, they can win 15 games. Their defense yeah. is that good. 
They went eight and eight last year with a pitiful offense. Uh, not just the quarterback. They lead the league in drops with wide receivers, I think, for most of the year. Yeah. Their tight end position was literally non-existent. Uh, running Martin, game yeah. was in shambles. So how do you expect anybody to get going on that offensive way? And they still finished 8-8. Eight eight. I know it was an ugly 8-8. Eight eight. They could have easily won four games, but still it speaks to how good they are. And if they just are able to score 20 points a game or plus – they're going to be really tough to beat against anybody they play on that schedule. I look at it and go, yeah, the Saints will be tough, and there's a couple games here and there. You're like, yeah. okay. But, I mean, I look at all those games and say the Bears can win every single one of them. And that I know I'm a Mr. Optimist, but they you know, they really can. They won 12 games two years ago, so 12 yeah. could be the high watermark. But the other thing to take into consideration, Will, is that there's an extra team in each conference that's going to make the playoffs. So I think that yeah. is going to be interesting because the bears are definitely that fringe team. They feel like that. I don't know if they're going to be a one or two seed type of team. They're going to be that team right on the fringe. Like they were last year. Mm -hmm. You hope that, you know, with some minor tweaking, they're a little better and they can move from eight wins to 10 wins. And then that, that should get them in the dance. Yeah. Now, shifting to baseball, what's your thoughts? Uh, I know you're a Cubs fan, right? So what do you expect or what do you think about this team? Well, really, let's go back. So let's just go back to spring training. So for me, it was like I liked Joe Madden, but I was agreeing towards the end of last season. I was like, he's not coming back. It's probably time for them both to go their separate ways. And he goes to L.A., but I'm not one of those guys on Twitter that's just like bashing on Madden. I'll, I mean, I know he had his he has his faults like any other manager, any anybody would. Um, but I was definitely a pro Madden guy. But I was like, all right, it's probably time they go their separate ways. Great. Uh, um, I was kind of hesitant about Ross, but I kind of liked the dynamic that he brought. So anyway, what what were your thoughts on David Ross and all that? Yeah, in I'm conflicted with it too. Well, I was a big Joe Madden disciple. He brought home the, the mm. championship um, yeah. and all those mottos, the same stuff that Matt Nagy tries to use. That's yeah. what worked with the Cubs. You right. know, we are good and – you know, all the Joe Madden-isms and the shirts, Respect 90. They bought into it. Young teams will buy into stuff like that, and they won. And even, you know, you can criticize some of his managerial moves. He had some tough time handling pitchers. It's not easy handling any pitching staff or relief relievers. They're so – every year, It's you never know who's going to be good or bad. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's easy to criticize that. But I look at his in-game managing at times and, you know, as much criticism he got. Like, look at – the Giants game in the NLDS when he mm -hmm. switched Chris Coughlin in to show Bochi Coughlin. Then they bring in the lefty reliever to get the lefty on yeah. lefty. And, and, and Joe Madden goes, okay, I'm putting in Wilson Contreras now. And then mm -hmm. he hits a single up the middle to tie the game. That's Joe Madden. And I also think not having the DA or having the DH in the NL eliminates moments like that of strategy mm -hmm. that to me are appreciated in baseball. But uh, the thing with David Ross is now it's like, okay, I love Joe Madden. I agree with you. It's probably time to move on. Uh, you know, the, the, the message was starting to dry up, Yeah. but you know, yeah. they're talking, they talked about how they needed to change kind of who they were. And then they just went and got <laughs> who they were the 2016 Cubs. So I'm very interested to see David Ross establish himself as a mm -hmm. serious manager. That's respected because you know, I'm looking at a guy like Anthony Rizzo, and I know him and David Ross were really good buddies. How is that yeah. managing dynamic mm -hmm. going to be? Remember in Game Seven of the or the World Series when they're showing Ross trying to calm Anthony yeah. down in the dugout? There was also some stories that didn't get as widely reported, and I know Kaplan talked about it a little bit, where there was a little bit of a friction moment in the clubhouse prior to the game where mm -hmm. uh, Rizzo was dancing on the table and uh, Pedro Strope threw some stuff on him. And they, Oh, yeah, I do remember that. And, I'm, and imagine if they had lost that game and that story yeah. had came out and Anthony's kind of acting crazy and there was like a weird moment. And Ross had to kind of snap everybody out of it. But they were all teammates at that time. Now I'm looking at this like, are, is he going to get the respect of what a manager deserves? And from what I understand, he is a hardline guy that ain't no, that isn't going to bullshit you. But yeah. you know, I know how close you remember the videos of him going to whoever's balcony porch with Eddie Vedder to sing songs and stuff. 
that's not a manager player dynamic that yeah. you're normally used to. So it's going to be really interesting to see how David is able to establish himself, especially now with it being a literally you're catapulted right into a pennant race. Every team is literally has a chance. To, you know, it's pennant race baseball right away. Nobody's out of it here in July. Nobody, you know, we're all just starting. It's it's going to be so unique. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes. Yeah, so I feel like the Cubs kind of benefit from a short season because, like, they're a good team. Like, they may not be a World Series team, like, the last few years, but, you know, they would get off. It's up with anybody. Yeah, they would have those spurts. They start out, like, 30 and 20, so you figure a 50-60 game stretch might be just good enough this year. So um, I'm curious to see how they play, you know, obviously with Ross, and as you said, everybody's got the same uh, amount of time off, so everybody's in it from day one in July, which is weird. But what do you think about the extra innings with the people, uh, runners on second base and the DH in the national league? I don't mind the DH so much. I think that makes sense. But at the same time, I never minded the uniqueness of the American league having it and the national league not, but I don't mind having it, but I don't like the uh, extra inning rules at all. Now I get it for this year. It's I'll take it for it. a year, but this yeah, stuff better be retabled next year, especially the extra, the DHing I hate. But I get that I may never see it again the other way, so I better just accept it. The the guy on second, I also understand, you know, um, I think it was John Smoltz I was listening to explain it a little more on how it works out. You know, and he might not have agreed as a player, but now looking at it as a broadcaster, you know, talking about, you know, how ridiculous when you go into 18 innings, how much it affects the rest of the way, and especially in a shortened season where you're going to have rainouts, you're going to have all these other things. You don't need 18-inning games also screwing up the whole process of travel and players and all that. So I, I guess I'm on board with that trial and error. The DH thing is a little frustrating, but as a Cubs fan, it might benefit us for yeah. this season. So I'm going to take it and, you know, and see how it plays out. So, you know, it, it, the thing that um, – and that I keep asking myself is who's going to have the advantage right out the gate? Because yeah. normally pitchers are ahead of the hitters when spring training starts. So you would think that how it'd be here, but in Chicago in July, the ball is flying out of the yard at Kaminsky yeah. and Wrigley. And normally it's you're seeing games that are 14 to 12. And yeah. so I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be so much fun. And you got six games between the Cubs and the Sox out of the mm-hmm. 60, and depending on where they put those games, you're talking about, I mean, six games in 162 is a blip on the radar. Six games in 60 games is season-defining almost, depending on when those are. So really excited to see when those Cubs-Sox games will line up because I really think that we might be headed towards a red line World Series. I, I, I have a gut here. The Cubs are a good team that no one's really considering. And they have all the weapons as Darvish and Luster can hang in there. And then you look at the White Sox and this, uh, you know, powder keg they're sitting on. They have all these young talent. It's very reminiscent of what the Cubs were going through in 2015. Imagine if the 2015 Cubs had just July, August, September. They were so hot then. So I can see the White Sox really blowing up as much as that pains me to say. And then we, we, you know, 2020 has been crazy enough. So don't be surprised when it's Cubs, Sox, Red Line World Series, and and the city's back, you know, going at each other over sports. I think I'd take take that that kind of uh, chaos at this point. Yeah. When you were talking about Brady and Tampa Bay being weird, that was the weirdest thing for like two seconds. Now that's like, okay, after everything else that's happened this year, you almost forget about that. Right. But, um, yeah, the White Sox of today remind me of the 15 Cubs, at least, you know, from the buzz perspective. We'll see how it plays out. But, um, yeah, the White Sox are definitely a loaded team going forward, so it'll be interesting to see they how – They might need that luster. I don't know if they have that one yeah. more, maybe one more pitcher because we don't know what Michael Kopech – if you know mm-hmm. when and if when he's going to come back and that because that was something that really helped the 2015 Cubs was Jake Arrieta and John Lester you know and you need that veteranship you know I know Arrieta kind of came out of nowhere but you need that veteranship especially in your starting rotation so you know it seems like the Sox will have no problem hitting the ball but uh, pitching will probably be the biggest question mark if they're going to make a big run but I really do think that they 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 can. 
And, you know, like I said, Cubs socks, bring it on, baby. That would be cool for sure. Definitely be a crazy way to end 2020. Um, yeah. You know, so with the NHL and the NBA, what do you think about those sports? It looks like they're coming back. I mean, the coronavirus thing is still such a weird, uh, you know, yeah, it's you know, hard to play the hypothetical game with the COVID. You know, you don't know if it's going to get played out. So if we're just pretending in a world that we are going to get all these sports played out, you know, I'm not too big of a hockey guy. I mean, I will say anybody will tell you that, you know, the low seats, you know, even in a regular playoffs with the season isn't affected, always have a shot. So you, you would yeah. think in a, you know, in a season like this where they're just going to do a, a quick playoff, that, you know, a team like the Blackhawks that have that championship pedigree will certainly have a chance to su- surprise some folks. But like I said, I'm not much of a hockey guy at all. But basketball-wise, I'm really looking forward to watching it and seeing what it's like to play a playoffs that really means something to all these guys, especially one LeBron James with no fans in the stands. It's going to feel like summer league. But it's mm-hmm. it's like worse than summer league. It's like going to an AAU practice. Like nobody's gonna be there. But these games are monumental. I mean, like for a guy like LeBron's legacy, he has the chance to get another championship on that belt. You think he cares that it was in a COVID nineteen season? Hell no. He's trying to win yeah. a championship. So I'm I'm a LeBron hater. So you know, I guess that's natural because I'm a I'm, I'm a Jordan disciple. Uh, so I'm. Like, you know, every year, because my Bulls are never around since uh, Derek was healthy, um, I'm just always looking at who's going to be the team that's going to take down LeBron for me. And for years, I was able to uh, – my little one's away. For years, I was able to uh, lean on my Golden State Warriors and Steve Kerr from the <laughs> old 90s. You know, I just yeah. kind of took – I adopted the Golden State Warriors for a few years, and I, I pawned it off as acceptable because Steve Kerr was their coach, and he was one of my yeah. players growing up. So uh, I love Steph Curry, too. He's a great ball player. One of, one of, uh, to me um, – I'm, uh, the two guys that have revolutionized revolutionized the game um, of basketball in my lifetime are Michael Jordan, one Steph Curry, two. I've never seen the game change quite like it has since MJ, since with with Steph Curry taking the three point line and extending it all the way to half court, and now you're seeing guys like Dame Lillard pull up for a game winning three in Game Seven of. A freaking playoff series from half court and burying it like it's a jump shot. And, you know, I love basketball. It was my first love. So I'm really looking forward to the playoffs. But unfortunately, my Bulls are far away from attending those kind of parties. Well, what do you think about the Bulls going forward now with AK and, uh, you know, Arturis Karnasovic, if I'm saying it right? Karnasovic, uh, I think. Karnisa. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard both, so I don't know. Celine, <laughs> AK. Our, our buddy Celine Suterwala from Bulls Celine, Gold, yeah. uh, you know, another uh, ESPN 1000 harasser. Like uh, he's great. Another great. Yeah, Shout great. out Celine. You should definitely bring him on here. He's, oh, uh, yeah. He's a great conversationalist, and uh, we've had him on Shy Fans a few times. Uh, uh, but Salim was saying, uh, what were we saying? I'm sorry, I, I lost track when I was giving my Salim shout out. Oh no, uh, we were just talking about the Bulls and AK and trying to get the name right. <laughs> he he taught me how to say Karnishevitz. Okay, I think that's how it goes. But you're right because I remember I actually said Karnasovis to Black. He's like, yeah, you got it. But then I heard Karnishevitz, Karnishev, Karnishevitz, Karnishevitz. Anyway, I heard the other pronounce, pronunciation afterwards. I was like, oh, that's how you say it. But then I heard Caps say Karnasovas again, so I was like, I don't Probably know. Probably that. Caps pretty dialed in. Who knows? We'll get it right eventually. He's new here. I, so one time yeah. I told Devin Aroma Shadu at Bears training camp, not to get off topic, but he everybody everybody thought he was Hester because he had uh, dreads. And all oh, these yeah. little, little kids. It was real innocent. But they were like, Hester, will you sign this? And he's like, I'm not Devin Hester. I'm Devin Aroma Shadu. And uh, nobody could pronounce his name correctly. I was like, they're just going to call you Devin, buddy. <laughs> just sign it, Devin. No, like, no, it's a joke. But uh, Karnisovic, we'll get it right eventually. But I'm excited for yeah. it because, you know, he's a guy that built Denver up, and I like what they do. Yeah. I like their brand of basketball. You know, I, to me, one of my other favorite growing players in the league is uh, uh, Joker. You, you know, Nikolai Jokic is one of the most fun, fascinating players to watch. It's kind of like a – throwback player but he's got all this new game skill so i'd love to be able to pry him away from denver in 2022 but 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, outside of, you know, being able to bring a free agent, I, I definitely have confidence that he'll be able to evaluate talent and bring the right guys in. The biggest question, Mark, before a season gets started, before we all start really getting behind this guy is he better fire Jim Boylan and bring mm-hmm. in a new head coach. I don't care if it's you, Will. It could not be Jim Boylan because, yeah, I'm sure you'd be just fine. I'm sure you can do as adequate as a job as Jim was doing last year. No disrespect. I know it's, that's probably a huge disrespect to Jim, but I'm sorry. It was It's just not working. We need to get rid of him, and it should probably have already been done. So I know some Bulls fans, you know, including me, are a little nervous about how that all shakes out. But, you know, bring in Adrian Griffin. Bring in, you know, yeah. anybody. But they need a different voice, I feel like, in that locker room. You saw how Zach Levine was giving him uh, looks. And, yeah. You know, I, I just don't think his his brand is going to work. You know, he's he's not he's not quite Thibodeau. You know, he's got the tough talk, yeah. but Thibodeau was also a, a, a strategy guy and a great in-game coach. And I don't think that Jim Boylan can fit up to that billing for when the Bulls are finally contending for, you know, meaningful basketball games. Yeah, I think the vibe for me, at least from like guys like Cap and Black, I think they're looking at the Bulls as, I mean, not necessarily a, uh, you know, a one seed next year, but definitely a playoff eight seed potential as far as, you know, they should be in that, they should be in that conversation anyway. I know they're still getting back up. You know, they're starting to do like a kind of a rebuild essentially with the new GM and everything. But I don't think I think people are looking at it as okay. They're not going to be dynasty or, or anything right away. But let's at least see progression, which is what they expected this year. And obviously, we saw how that played out. Right. No, they definitely need to bring in some guys, but no more making stupid trade. You know, we brought in the guy that traded. Uh, that traded us Doug McDermott, he should have to apologize for that trade for highway robbery of Doug McDermott for Gary Harris. And uh, the other guy, I think is Yersef or uh, yeah, I think it was Yersef, but regardless, we ended up with Dougie McBuckets and, and that was, that was highway robbery. So he needs to make some trades for us that benefit us in that way to make up yeah. for that one. I got to tell you. So real fast, I just wanted to get your thoughts real fast on uh, Long Gone Summer, the Sosa doc. What do you think about that? I liked it more than most people yeah. that hated it. You know, I didn't. I watched it the next day, uh, so I didn't watch it live with everybody else. So I didn't, you know, have to bear through the commercials. But I didn't think everybody was like I was expecting Sosa to not be in the documentary when I started it because Twitter was telling me <laughs> he wasn't in it, and I was like, he's in it. I mean, they left out the part that he was on the White Sox before he was on the Cubs, which is a little odd. And there were some weird shots of current rig current day Wrigley. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but it wasn't like, I don't think they were trying to portray those shots as old school Wrigley or old school Bush. So it was like, uh, you know, I get why, you know, I guess you could have issue with that, but I, you know, I enjoyed reliving that. I liked how they brought Ken Griffey jr. Into that, you know, you kind of, forget when I was a kid back then how that whole thing started and it was really Griffey versus McGuire and what blew my mind and I kind of forgot was that I did forget that McGuire was kind of expected to do this to start the year Mm -hmm. and when they brought that up I did it it reminded me I was like oh yeah they were like tracking this like right away which is crazy to think like they knew what you know I know he had a good year the year before whatever but like kind of wild that they all you know were able to I say, hey, this, you know, even Griffey was being concerned. Like, hey, Griffey could do this. He didn't yeah. choose. And the, he ended up hit 56 home runs. So it, it, that, poor Ken Griffey Jr., you know, maybe the greatest baseball player of all time getting overshadowed in uh, one of the greatest years ever, you know, by two guys that were, you know, taking the juice. But I enjoyed those season, that season. You know, that's, you know, oh, yeah. 98, Kerry Wood strikes out 20, Sammy hits 20 in June. Cubs make the playoffs, Sosa wins MVP. You know, I I was just beyond myself. I loved every inch of that year. So I think they should bring Sammy back. And I thought the documentary was just fine. I mean, McGuire won the home run race, so they're going to put a little more of him in it, you know. Um, but overall, uh, I thought it was a solid guy. No last dance, but a solid documentary. I'll take it, you know. But I'm, I'm an easy critic, Will. I'm one of those guys that can watch, like, 
Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skulls, and I'm like, oh, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually didn't think it was like bad, but I just I was kind of perplexed by the current day shots of Wrigley or the because I think there was I can't remember, but I feel like there was like a 1998, you know, they're like they put 98 on there and then they show current Wrigley or whatever. But yeah, like you said, it's not the Last Dance, but nothing is. That's just that's almost tough to put anything up against the Last Dance in the week in the weeks after. Yeah, after the Last Dance, they might have they should have just did no more documentaries till the next year because to follow that up uh, would be tough. Although I do want to watch the Bruce Lee one they just released uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to learn a little bit about him. So I like the 30 for 30s, but yeah, no. Uh, 98 was cool. Thinking back on that, we were talking about Shy Fancy Stands. I don't know how much you remember, but remember the Sammy Sosa song on B96 around here, B96, Eddie and Jobo were uh, all the rage back then for any kid my age and, they had a Sammy Sosa song, parody song they made. You can actually YouTube it. It's uh, pretty funny. And uh, I just look, think back on those days, riding the bus, going to school, and and everyone being completely enthralled in that season. And, you know, yeah. just like uh, Lance Armstrong with the doping, you can, you can chastise Lance and, and McGuire and Sosa and pin it all on them. But this isn't an excuse. It's just the truth. There are a lot more guys that were doing – Mm -hmm. cheating they just set the record so they're going to get the brunt end of it but at the same time you know lance what he did with like you know his cancer charities and then when you look at sammy and mcguire and the impact they had on bringing fans back to the sport you know i'm not saying it's a wash but you know mcguire you know we we shouldn't you know be publicly shaming them the rest of their lives you know maybe they shouldn't Shouldn't be in the hall. I don't know, but the Cubs should certainly bring Sammy back. I he is not the reason, but a huge reason why I'm a Cub fan. Yeah, for a lot of people, and yeah, I I would just say you know if they're gonna put Selig in the Hall of Fame, then you can't ignore what Sosa McGuire and all those guys did. So it's like I don't even know why the I don't know why Selig's even in the Hall of Fame. But if you're gonna put him in, you got to put the other guys that he that basically made his job easier at least then. During that time, and Craig Biggio's in, and I'm pretty sure Craig had been implicated in certain lists of names of people, you know. So, you know, people kind of pick and choose who they want to pick on for this the steroid thing, and a lot of it has to do with records. So, you know, guys like Barry and Sammy and McGuire are going to get the most of it, you know, because they, I guess, they cheated the best. But you know, Brady Anderson, he made a cameo appearance. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I always remember Brady Anderson because this, this guy comes out of nowhere and hits 50 bombs. Yeah. It was like, that was like back then I'd be like trading all the best players to put him on the Cubs. And like Brady Anderson for a year was like my favorite player. But you know, <laughs> yeah. you know the Roids are doing something when guys like that are, are able to hit 50 bombs. <laughs> and I was 10. So, of course, back then it's just like this is awesome. But oh, yeah. yeah, you're not questioning it. I mean, maybe, you know, because it wasn't illegal. It was illegal, but it wasn't against the rules of baseball. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe the, I guess there's an argument to be said to just let the let the ball keep flying out the yard. They, they keep trying to, you know, change the tightness of the baseball and all these yeah, other things just to get the – now the ball is juiced. So – you know, they're, they're yeah. trying to get that ball out the yard. I mean, I guess you're not going to uh, be trying to encourage players to juice because that's not healthy. So, you know, but either way, uh, chicks dig the long ball. Dudes dig the long ball. We all want to see that ball flying over the fence on the <laughs> Waveland Avenue. That's exactly. the only way we're going to be able to get a home run ball this year. Are you going to yeah. go out there and stand on Waveland with me and wait for a Chris Bryant walk-off? I'd love to. I'm in Virginia, but that'd be cool. I need to get back to Wrigley. It's been forever. I was there in 01 against the Cardinals. I saw Daryl Kyle pitch. In fact, it was the same day that they got Fred McGriff in a trade. They flashed it on the board but back when they had just that little strip under the, the green center field scoreboard. Cubs acquire Fred McGriff, but yeah, that was cool. That was cool. But yeah, I see the I see the Cubs when they uh when they come out to DC. So I had a like a, a little winning streak there, and then they lost the first game I'd seen them live. Uh I guess it was two years ago. It was a it was a double header game against the Nats. We had the hurricane going on. It was a fact. So you remember Strope hitting and you know, getting hurt with the hamstring. Yes. So they had postponed that Sunday game, and that was the game they made up, and he got hurt later on. But I remember also that doubleheader. That was the first couple games I saw them lose, and then I saw them lose last year with Leicester and D.C., and now I'm on, like, a losing streak with the Cubs when I see them play. That's always <laughs> the worst. You're going to have to get off the schneid. Yeah. Well, this is this has been great. This is uh, this was awesome to have you on, talk a little sports with you. Yeah, man. Uh, 
really enjoy the conversation, Will. And before I go, you know, I know you we talked about your your name of your show. And I had some segment ideas. Yeah. You know, I, I really yeah. think that, you know, uh, I think that's what I think. Cause I, you know, I did, I, I like your, you know, cut to the chase. I think that's, that's perfect. And I love your logo, Simpsons logos. I'm a huge Simpsons guy. I mean, the two people, uh, comedy wise that influenced me the most in life are Homer Simpson and Michael Scott. It was Homer first and now Michael in my older years. So, you know, I love the logo and everything, but I really think, you know, it says, uh, see, will chase here. will talk now that, I don't know if it should be the segment. I think it should be the promo to your podcast. Yeah. And you, so for every, every show you're going to do, you do a post on Twitter and that'll be the, the caption. See, mm-hmm. will chase. Okay. Here, will talk. And then you explain what the show's going to be. I don't know. I'm a I, thinker. I I, I'm a thinker. I have some ideas about how I can incorporate that. So I'll, I'll definitely, yeah. uh, I, I'm I'm always there to help. I've got a million great ideas stored up there. Abdallah will be the first to tell you. And uh, I'm just full of great ideas. So if you want one, I'm happy to give them away. I was going to say, you might be my unofficial marketing guy then, because uh, I'm sure I I can incorporate it in some way for sure. (laughs) Well, I'll be happy to help you in any way I can, Will. And uh, anytime you ever want me to hop on, I'm always around and always willing to talk someone's ear off or over talk them and cut them off. I'm, I'm good at all those things. No, this is perfect. Ooh, shout out. we got a shout out our guy, Sylvie too. You know, of course, Sylvie of strong. course. Yeah. Sylvie strong. Yeah. I'm not wearing my shirt today. I had it on yesterday. I've got my shirt and my mom, uh, you hear up there. She and my, and my wife, but we're waiting on Addison's shirt, my daughter, my two year old daughter's shirt. And maybe it's comes from a different place. Cause it's a kid's shirt or something. I don't know, yeah. but we're yeah. still waiting on that one. And then we're going to take put our picture up. I was telling Sylvia, I, was, mm-hmm. I didn't want to, I didn't want to jump the gun on Addison and not put the picture up yet, but I'm, I'm feeling left behind. Everybody's putting their pictures up in support of our guy, Mark Silverman. Yeah. And I want to show my support too. So we're going to get it off, but I'm actually, you know, uh, before I let you go completely, I'm actually going to be shaving. You know, we saw Sylvia, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, with the chemo, he's going through, he has to shave everything. Um, I'm actually, uh, with my buddy, Dave Mays, he's, uh, he heads this foundation called the Versus Cancer Charity Foundation, which helps kids that have uh, pediatric brain tumors, you know, kids that have uh, brain tumors, kids with cancer. And, uh, you know, a lot of their work has been, you know, greatly affected this summer. They do a lot of live events where they help raise money for kids. And uh, so I'm actually going to be shaving my beard and my hair. I've been growing this mane out. I I know I've been Mm. posting it on Twitter a few times. (laughs) I'm actually shaving it off completely here coming up in a few days. We're able to raise a thousand dollars for this charity. And I made a promise that I'd be shaving it off. So you'll have to stay tuned for that. Well, I'm going to be a shaved puppy here. I'll have no, I went, I'm going to go from Grizzly Adams to uh, the guy, Howie Mandel or something. Mm. That, that, that's a that's awesome though but yeah shout out Sylvie Strong and all those guys really really appreciate you asking me to come on man you're a good dude it's fun to put a face with the Twitter account for sure yeah you know like I said you know we're always we're the ESPN harassers you know we're we're out there you know doing our doing our biddings every day to keep Kaplan and Black and Abdallah and Waddle and Sylvie <laughs> and Carmen York on their toes so I appreciate all the interaction. And the kind of positive vibes you always send. I enjoy kind of your easygoingness. You know, that's yeah. I'm, that's kind of how I flow. I don't I don't take sports too seriously. It's all fun and games. I don't mind being ripped on. I like to, you know, I, I, I take a lot of crap from those guys over there. He's not. I don't mind giving it back, but it's all fun and games. Sports are supposed to be fun. And uh, so, yeah, I look forward to more interactions on Twitter with you here going forward. You're a good guy, Will, and I'm always happy to share along your work. And uh, anytime you need anything, you know, I'm always there.